Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. You're confident when it comes to your work and life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same confidence when it comes to refinancing your existing mortgage or buying a home. It lets you understand all the details so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. Go to rocketmortgage.com/fool. It's Monday, June 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today. It's the usual Monday crew from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Happy Monday. Bingo, bango. It's nice to be part of the usual crew. It is. Feel wanted. It is. Feel needed. Difference between being wanted and needed, though. There is a big difference. It's nice to be part of a crew, whether you're doing a podcast or robbing banks. Hey. It's like, hey, get the usual crew together. (laughs) Um, We're going to dig into everything that the news fairy has dropped off. Uh, today uh, and a bankruptcy, which I didn't see coming. But then again, I wasn't looking all that closely. Uh, let's start with the biggest winner in the Dow Jones Industrial Average today, and that is General Electric shares up nearly four percent, and that's because of the news that longtime CEO Jeff Immelt will be retiring before the end of the year. And uh, you know. I think back on Jeff Immelt's career, and we'll get to the stock performance in a second, but I think it's worth remembering about Jeff Immelt um, that he took over for Jack Welch, something of a, a legend. It's in, a big shadow. It's a big shadow, big shoes to fill. Also, he became CEO of General Electric four days before 9-11. Yeah. So, so he led General Electric through 9/11, through the financial crisis, um, and I think his legacy, part of his legacy, will be sort of the paring down of the business units. But Jason, when you look at the stock performance, I mentioned the Dow Jones. GE is the worst performing Dow Jones stock in the time that he has been CEO. It's down around 30 percent since he's been CEO at a time when the Dow Jones average itself is up. More than 120 percent, and that is a tough scorecard. Yeah, I mean that is a tough scorecard. My bet is that the gentleman who steps in to fill this role, Flannery, is probably. So this is going to be a fairly easy act to follow. I don't think it's going to be that difficult of an act to follow. But I also do think a lot of that is going to be due to. Some of the uh, the reshaping that went on during um, ML's tenure. I mean, mm-hmm. I, as you mentioned, I mean he he really served this company through two major crises. I mean, two really tough periods of time. And it seems like he is kind of that Steve Ballmer character, right? I mean, we always saw him in the news for some reason or another. It was yes. more or less because of the company um, he he was leading. Uh, you can make the argument that really GE for the longest time has been very scattered. They have been doing a lot of things and none of them really well. And it seems like the company has been has been sort of reshaped and a bit more focused now. Um, so I mean, I, I can understand why shareholders would feel good about this. It, it seems like this is something that's been in the works for a while, from what I can read. I mean, it, it didn't sound like this just happened willy-nilly. But yeah, I think they said succession planning had been going on at the board level for four years now. Yeah, yeah, since 2013. 2013. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, I mean, you look at the history of of the company under, under ML, and, and shareholders obviously have not done very well. Um, one shareholder did okay, though. I mean, you look at Warren Buffett when he came to their rescue in the financial crisis, and I think this is a good example again of 
Buffett having the resources to strike a deal that no one else really could have gotten. I mean, he he invested, I think, something like $3 billion in preferred shares to help them shore up finances from shortcomings of GE Capital. Uh, he had, uh, I think, warrants for another $3 billion or something like that, that he ended up exercising and making a little money off of. So, he did very well, because he was able to offer something that they really needed at a specific time. And and so, you know, hey, I mean that that just just goes to show you sort of of, of really why Warren Buffett is who he is, and sort of the benefits of of uh, all of the success he's had in his career up to this point in time. But um, all in all, I mean, let's let's turn the page and then hopefully, the GE that we know today is is a more streamlined and more focused company. I suspect that it is, and I suspect that the next ten years and beyond will, will probably. Work out a little bit better for investors. Um, yeah, I mean, you remove the too big to fail moniker now that GE Capital is gone. They sold that off um, to multiple different firms, uh, different pieces of GE Capital. Um, and for me personally, it's my favorite company, I think, to play the energy sector because um, it's so well diversified. You're looking at the Baker Hughes Act was or merger that the, is nearing completion. It was approved in the uh, European Union, still waiting on the the United States to go ahead and give them that final stamp. But um, so oil and gas there, the huge acquisition of Alstom from France a few years back for over $13.5 billion, got them into uh, offshore wind, got them into steam turbines, combining that with their gas-powered uh, turbines. So this is a company that's geared for the current energy uh, makeup in the, in the world with oil, get, oh, excuse me, gas, and they're merging solar and wind. Um, and, and then just even further, I think it's one of the best set up diversified energy companies out there right now. And then the new CEO leading the healthcare segment, which I'm assuming is going to be a pretty decent growth driver for this company. So getting back to the roots of manufacturing and and industrial businesses. Well, and Jason, you invoked the name of Steve Ballmer. I think if you're a shareholder at GE, you are hoping that this scenario plays out just as it did for Microsoft shareholders. Not that. Microsoft stock did as poorly during Balmer's run as GE stock. But it didn't do much better. It didn't do a whole <laughs> yeah, lot I mean, better. But but the idea that uh, a CEO comes in to take the corner office and ends up taking the company in a new direction that pays dividends for everyone involved, the company and obviously the shareholders, and that's what Nadella has done. And if you're if you're a GE shareholder, you're looking at Flannery and hoping that he is Satya Nadella for your company. Yeah, and I think chances are probably pretty good that that's the case because it's one thing to be diversified, as Taylor was was uh, mentioning, a diversified energy company versus like what GE used to be was was diversified like all over the everything. Place. Yeah, I mean, it was they were trying finance, they were trying entertainment, there was energy, but there were all of these. Things that didn't really work together. There were no synergies, Chris. There were just no synergies. <laughs> Had to be said. <laughs> so, no. I mean, again, I think uh, I hope that enough time passes by, we can look back at this. My, I suspect we will look back at this and say that GE has been set up to succeed because of the fact that they really have streamlined and focused. Uh, versus what they once were, and and Immelt is going to be a part of that. Obviously, his public record 
won't necessarily the timing's not going to work out very well for him. But but I think he can leave uh, feeling like at least the company is set up to, to to succeed here in the future. Whatever shares he's taking with him into retirement, I, I have a <laughs> he'll probably hold on. I like the chances. That's yeah, going to work out I well like for him. Um, one other thing, uh, going back to Bomber again, ML was on that short list of CEOs, and and this is just one of those things that. Uh, I'm I'm probably nerdy uh, in the way that I notice stuff like this, but Emelt was one of the shortlist CEOs who his name would appear in headlines without the name of his company. Like he was a big enough figure in the world of business that a headline would just have his you know Emelt says X Y Z, and it didn't have to. He he was just known by his name in the way that Bomber was in the way that uh, today I would say Bob Iger. Bob very Iger, similarly, is very much the same way. I mean, you just Bezos, Zuckerberg. Yep. Uh, let's move on to. Speaking of CEOs, uh, another CEO very much in the news and has to be thanking his lucky stars that his company is not yet public, and that is Travis Kalanick, and the train wreck that is happening at Uber right now. Um, Uber's board of directors has. Adopted a series of recommendations uh, from U.S. former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, uh, who had put together a report uh, at the behest of, of Uber's board earlier this year, and the this is a company with a corporate culture that is so broken. Uh, we we don't have enough time <laughs> to, to go through all the ways in which it is broken. But I'm curious about this one aspect of the report, and there there are conflicting reports this morning about whether this is, um, if this is an official recommendation from Holder, or if this is a conditional recommendation of Holder, and it has to do with Travis Kalanick, with the board putting Travis Kalanick on a temporary leave of absence. And I've seen reports both ways. Some, you know, the LA Times is saying yes, the board is adopting all of Holder's recommendations, and this is one of them. And then you have Recode, Kara Swisher, who has as good a contact as anyone in Silicon Valley. Uh, Kara Swisher saying no, this is not, this is not uh, absolutely part of the official recommendation. But whether it is or it isn't. Have you heard of this before? So you're saying the private sector has leaks too? <laughs> the private sector has leaks, and um, again, for everyone who was thinking, "God, I wish Uber were public." Not in 2017, you don't, because no. if six months ago this was a company that was worth in the private market 65 billion dollars, there's no way in the world it's worth that now. No, 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 not at all. And I think, um... but have you heard of that before? Of a board putting a CEO? I mean, maybe did that happen with Valiant? Uh, no, I don't know. I actually couldn't yeah, say I'd for sure. Yeah, I have to do some research to see if I could pull a specific example. But I think, I mean, to your point, I mean, is this a company you even want to be an owner of when it goes public? And I mean, there's so many things to unpack with what's going on with leadership here. And I mean, first and foremost, I mean, Travis Kalanick obviously is dealing with a lot of things in his life right now. Terrible uh, accident with his parents. With his parents. I mean, yes. you got to. I mean, got to feel feel bad about that. I mean, no, just I can't, it's got to be awful. I can't imagine where his head is even right now. But um, I mean, a lot of these problems existed far before any of any of that ever happened. So I mean, you've got. And I would actually like to encourage any and all listeners, if you go check out my Twitter feed at TMFJMO, coming up with the new official gifts of Uber. And I think the one that struck me this morning was the old Simpsons, Hans Moleman football in the groin. It's just like they can't ever seem to really. It's like every single headline you read about this company is all bad. Yes, it's, although 
nothing good. The 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 tragedy of Kalanick's parents aside, um, all of these things going on with Uber appear to be very much self-inflicted. Absolutely, there's no question about it. And I mean, it's also worth remembering too uh, that private markets are far more forgiving. I mean, you don't have near, you don't have, you don't have the same scrutiny. They're far more forgiving. Probably a, a good, healthy amount of groupthink out there in Silicon Valley, where everybody just thinks they've got to figure it out, and that's part of the reason why this thing has, has what sixty-five billion dollar valuation or something. Yeah, and there's fewer investors. Like $8 billion dollars, so, yeah. just so I mean, there, there are maybe not eight billion, two billion, whatever it was. It was just a phenomenal amount of money that they're losing. Um, and, and and I mean, I like the direction where they're trying to go and. Uh, self-driving cars that, which is under go, some scrutiny there with the sure. Google the Google Alphabet uh, lawsuit saying that they've stolen some technology there. But I mean, this is so so. I mean, first and foremost, I mean, like, is this a company that you want to own if it's public? Because there are a lot of people right now that I mean, this is leaving a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. I mean, they don't want to have anything to do with this company, either as an investor or as a user. Or an employee, maybe. Or an employee. Because if you look at it, I saw, this is crazy, uh, they opened up a hotline for complaints, and they had 215 complaints. I mean, that and is the hotline's a, only been open for a few months. That is a phenomenal culture and crisis right here. And, and those are, to my mind, the most difficult to fix. If there's a business model situation, a finance problem, something like that, those are those are pretty easily fixed. I mean, it just takes some good critical thinking, and you come up with some solutions. Culture that runs deep, and those things fester over time, and it's really, really difficult to eradicate it. Particularly when you have the same leadership that's been the cause of that crisis all along. So I, I just, they have really got to figure all of this stuff out before they ever attempt to go public because if that's the case it's there's no way this goes public at that valuation with this track record chalking up those kinds of losses well and if you look at the underlying business and the potential of it it's unfortunate for for those investors because as you said Jason in many ways the private market is so much more forgiving and if they were less forgiving then maybe there would be a way to turn this around a little more quickly and basically say to Kalanick and and everyone involved with creating the culture up to this point, here's the good news. Um, You own shares of a company that stands to do well as soon as you walk out the door. And the bad news is, you got to walk out the door and we got to get some people in here who are going to run this business right. Yeah, and it takes some self-realization, too. At some point, maybe... You know, founder of a company doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be or she's going to be the ideal leader for that company all throughout its public life. I mean, we see great examples in Amazon and Facebook and companies like that, but those are the exceptions, not the rules, right? And um, it's it's very possible that Travis Kalanick is not the leader this company needs for the future. Before we get to our next story, I got to say thanks to. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. I mean, you're a golfer. I am. You're confident out there on the golf course. You play golf on Friday. (laughs) Beautiful weather out there, Chris. Like 82 degrees, sunny for a good cause. It's all good. Playing with some good guys. It's good to be confident, and Rocket Mortgage gives you the same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Because let's face it, that's what you want. Buying a home is something you don't do that often, and you want to feel as confident as possible when you're doing it. And with Rocket Mortgage, you can apply simply, you can understand fully, so that you can mortgage 
confidently. So to get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Jimboree. Raise your hand if you've been to a Jimboree. My hand is yeah. raised. <laughs> two, two of the three of us have been to a Jimboree. Uh, Jimboree, uh, which once upon a time was a public company, and I'll let you take that perspective in just a second, but this is the, the children's... Uh, essentially, it's a clothing chain, but I, I, I went there when my oldest uh, was very young, and it was more of like a you go inside, and it's, it's just a great place to play with your kid. Um, in in a lot of like soft spaces, that kind of thing, and there'd be birthday parties there and, and all that sort of thing, and uh, apparently all that is coming to an end because Jimboree has filed for chapter Chapter Eleven bankruptcy protection. This happened late last night. They're going to be closing uh, upwards to about forty percent, maybe a little less than forty percent of their locations. They have close to thirteen hundred stores, uh, and the the key line from the story I read was. Jimboree's bankruptcy was widely expected after the company refused to pay certain bills in recent months, <laughs> placing the retailer on a collision course with creditors. Yeah, just like in your personal life, if you're not paying your bills, that doesn't go over well with the services that you owe the money to. If you're a business and you don't pay your bills, ah, that's going to as you as they said in the story, there's going to be a collision course there. I didn't realize that was really an option. I mean, you yeah, might not try. like paying your bills, <laughs> but nice I was like, try. you're just going to say, eh, I'm good. Not I'm, this time. Nope. Yeah, maybe I'll catch, catch you next month. It's the year of the rooster. Talk to us next year. <laughs> now I want to know which bills they weren't paying. Because if there, like, if there were some, they're like, well, look, we got to pay the electric bill. We got to keep. The, we literally <laughs> yeah, have to keep the lights right. on in all these locations. Can't but, open the tills if we it, don't have power. But these other yeah. ones, we're not paying them. It sounded like it was a payment on some debt they had outstanding. I couldn't. I couldn't uh, gather for sure. I mean, this is a stock you own. It, it is. Yeah, it's a stock I owned. I recommend, and I did very, very well on. Um, it, once upon a time, this was a nice little business to own. Uh, and and like you, I mean, Jimboree crossed my radar as an investment once I became a dad. And being the father of girls, I mean, I fully admit I have no clue how to buy clothes for this. <laughs> Just none whatsoever. None at all. But Jimboree actually made it possible. I mean, I couldn't believe it. All of a sudden now, I go to their website and like they've got different items of clothing and how they can pair together and this one shirt will go with these five different pants and this dress and yada yada and I'm like wow they've made it so easy and now I can actually do it so I could go online buy clothes for my kids they were pretty affordable mm-hmm. um, and and they had a good loyalty program you get the gym bucks and then you go back and shop again you get stuff for free and uh, it, it, this was a business that was growing its top line. It had a very healthy balance sheet. Really, just I mean, the, the sky was the limit. And when Bain Capital acquired them in 2010 for almost two billion dollars, hey, I mean, a lot of us who own the shares did very well with that deal. It was kind of bittersweet, you know. But hey, money's money. Not in hindsight, about, uh, yeah. Well, in <laughs> hindsight, and, and I mean, I think I question. I mean, like if if they had stayed public, I I I question. Whether this actually happens, yeah, right? I mean, fate, I feel yeah. like the the management team that was in place at the time when they were a publicly traded company was doing all of the right things. They were investing in their online presence, e commerce, and and e commerce was a growing part of the business. And the main capital took them private and and just loaded the balance sheet with a phenomenal amount of debt. Failed to reinvest in the e commerce business and instead focused on global expansion. 
in, in markets where I just don't think this near, it just doesn't translate nearly as well. And and bottom line is, you got a business with a pretty strong brand and a a pretty good following in in the in the family market there demographic. And and boy, they just God, it seems like they really took something good and just ruined it. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it, it's another reminder that um, you know for anyone who's like, well, you know, private equity, they always know what they're doing in yeah. private equity. It's like, well, not always. No. <laughs> but I think their agendas typically are very self-serving, right? I mean, yeah, I guarantee you, true. Bain Bain went into this knowing full and well that they were going to try to load this thing up with as much debt as possible to try to you know grow its presence as fast as it could, and if it works, great, and if it doesn't, well. Uh, there's all sorts of different ways that these private equity firms work these deals out to, to, to ultimately end up in their favor. And Bankruptcy. I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all to see them at some point kick Jimbery back to the public markets for a second try. By then, I mean, is it is it even worth a second look? Probably not, because it's a much different retail space today it's versus super tough. And they're just yeah. joining joining the long list of stores yeah. closing actual stores. I mean, Credit Suisse said this could be the highest store closure year. Ever in the history of the United States. Not saying net store closures. There's still going to be some people opening stores, but um, over 8,000, they say, could could be closed this year. I think that is likely to be true until the calendar changes to 2018. Yeah, and then maybe that's if the trends continue, then 2018. Uh, stands to to top that. Well, in Jim Bree's case too, we've got the lowest birth rate per thousand women uh, last year of any year in the history of the United States. So that's their market not coming, not refilling itself as the kids grow older and and families are having kids either later or just choosing not to have yeah. as many kids. Well, and a good reminder, Jason, about private equities. Incentives are not necessarily the same as that of individual shareholders, yeah. and it's a different situation when you see a founder-led company like Dell, Michael Dell taking his company private. He's much more focused on the long term, and by all accounts, that appears to be going well for Dell, as opposed to just private equity firms who aren't involved in the launching of a business coming in and, and taking a company private. Yeah, far different agendas and. It is what it is, as they say. But wow, you know, I mean, this is this one where I have a lot of good memories, and I think I basically uh, paid for my kids' wardrobes with with the <laughs> with winnings the from that from that investment. And nice. uh, wow, how how the the what's still Michael somewhat possible, right? <laughs> Michael it's Scott might say, "Wow, the turntables have, uh, yeah, what the tables have turned." <laughs> yeah, so, um, but it, but uh, one of the one of the little nice things in life. Is if you find a store, and it doesn't matter what that store is, if you find a store where you know whatever you buy there is going to be good, and yeah. and sometimes that, oh, here's this place, and I know if I buy this thing, anything I buy there for my wife, for my husband, for you know, for my friends, for my parent, like whatever, that is like a little icing on the cake moment in life. Anytime you find a store where you just go, oh. That, this person in my life, they love everything there, so I can't go wrong. <laughs> hey, listen, man. Every time I went on that website, I was feeling like the dad of the year. <laughs> I mean, every time. Jason Moser, Taylor Markman. Guys, thanks for being here. Cheers. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for today's edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.